Could this be the last Bedlam football game ever? I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome into the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And if you've been a listener to the Pokes Podcast since way back before the season started, you'll know that I hope it is the last Bedlam game ever. I am not a fan of Bedlam. I am not a believer in keeping Bedlam. Once OU leaves the Big 12 and goes to the SEC, I don't care if we ever ever play the game again. It is not beneficial to OSU. It hasn't ever been beneficial to OSU because from a fan standpoint, if you win Bedlam, then they just throw the record back in your face. And if you lose Bedlam, it's, oh, whoop, that's another one, little brother, blah, 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 blah. So I don't ever care to play this game again. And if we are to win, and I think there's a very good opportunity for us to win, but the naysayer in me is not super excited about this game, I hope we do win because I would love to have the last Bedlam victory ever. That would be so fitting, so nice, so poetic to end this, to say, yes, you had the way better record, but we got the last win ever. We got the last one ever over Texas, I'd love to have the last last win ever over OU. Looking at this game, like I said, Oklahoma State has a very, very good chance at winning this game. Do I think they can win? Yes, I do think they can win. I absolutely believe that Oklahoma State, with what we've seen from Ollie Gordon over the last few weeks, that they can come away with this victory. It's a very weird OU-Oklahoma State matchup. This is maybe one of the oddest, just based on the way these teams are, the way the seasons have gone, what happened early in the season, what has happened since Big 12 play started. It is one of the weirder games that I remember, and that says a lot because there's been a lot of weird games in my lifetime. Matter of fact, later on in the podcast, I'm going to go over uh, my five favorite Bedlam moments over over the course of my lifetime. I've been watching Bedlam uh, since uh, the less miles years, since the back-to-back victories. So everything from then on. So looking at this matchup here, Oklahoma State comes into this at six and two. They're four and one in Big Twelve play. OU is seven and one, four and one in Big Twelve play as well. Kansas beat OU in their last matchup, thirty-eight to thirty-three, and Oklahoma State got a big victory uh, that was a wildly second half game for Oklahoma State winning 45 to 13. OU is number 10 in the AP poll, number 9 in the college football playoff poll and Oklahoma State is unranked in the AP poll but they are 22nd in the college football playoff poll. So as far as college football playoffs are concerned, it is a ranked matchup. I mentioned the series history. OU leads it 91, 19, and 7. So Oklahoma State's looking for their 20th victory, and OU is looking for their 92nd victory. OU won last year 28-13. to 13. Oklahoma State won the year before. Uh, that was a, a big one uh, there with Spencer Sanders having a, a great game in that one. The line, at least as of yesterday, was minus 6. So they're, they're giving OU a bit. It it isn't home. Generally, the consensus is that the home team gets three points. So for OU to be six-point favorites, that's like a nine-point swing, basically, as far as the spread goes. 
A fun fact about this game. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have played every year consecutively since 1910, which is the third longest continuously played rivalry in college football behind Wisconsin and Minnesota, which started in 1906, and Clemson, South Carolina, which started in 1909. That 113-year streak will come to an end after this season as the Sooners and Cowboys aren't expected to play again for the foreseeable future, thank goodness, once OU moves to the SEC in 2024. Some people thought last year could have been the last one. That was not the case. This year will be the last year. This year will be the last year for this game, and again, I'm very, very thankful for that. So how does Oklahoma State match up with this OU team? Looking at the offense, Oklahoma State is led by Ollie Gordon. That is their offense. And when you look at this OU team and look at how well they play the run, they've actually been a pretty good run defense. They've given up just over 1,000 yards on the ground this season. Their per-game average is about 132.6. They'd only given up two touchdowns until last week when they gave up uh, four to Kansas State. And KU has had the best game against them running the football. As a team, KU ran for 212 yards, Devin Neal for 112, Jason Bean had 62 yards, and Daniel Hyshaw had 51 yards. Hyshaw had the two touchdowns. Bean and Neal both had one touchdown. Jason Bean was okay throwing the football, 15 of 32, 218 yards, and two interceptions. It was kind of a sloppy game all over the place. The weather wasn't great. Dylan Gabriel was 14 and 19 for 171 yards. He had the interception. Uh, OU ran the ball fairly well too. Walker had 23 carries for 140, uh, 146 yards and one touchdown. Dylan Gabriel ran for three touchdowns himself on 14 carries. He had 66 yards. So how can Oklahoma State's offense attack this OU defense, who has been pretty good this year, much better than some OU defenses in the past, of course, with Brent Venables as the head coach, uh, being a defensive coordinator guy, you expect them to be be a much more defensive-minded team than they were under Lincoln Riley, who obviously we've even seen at USC, he struggle uh, uh, defensively. Other elements of Oklahoma's defense, they give up just under 19 points a game, they allow just under 240 yards a game through the air. So all in all, a really good defense, but they did struggle a little bit last week as KU really kind of gave it to them in that game. Uh, KU came out, scored 38 points. Again, I mentioned what their what their players did. So offensively, KU had a pretty good game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel also threw a pick six, uh, so that was part of it. So the offense scored 31 against OU's defense. Looking at Oklahoma State, since the 27-point game against Iowa State, or even back, you can say the South Alabama game, where they only scored seven points. So three of their first games of the season, three of their first four games of the season, they scored 27 points. 27-13 over Central Arkansas, 27 against Arizona State, and 27 against Iowa State. They only scored seven against South Alabama. Since then, 29 against K-State, then 39 against KU, 48 against West Virginia, and 45 against Cincinnati. So the offense has figured things out as this season has gone on. They've put up over 40 points the last two weeks, got real close to putting up 40 against KU, getting 39. 
And against K-State and Kansas, it was a field goal fest. Field goal after field goal after field goal. That got cleaned up against West Virginia and Cincinnati where this team started to score a lot of touchdowns. In the Cincinnati game even, Oklahoma State only had 10 first-half points. They had 21 in the third and 14 in the fourth. So defensively, Cincinnati was probably the best team Oklahoma State had seen coming in uh, to this point of the season. And Cincinnati had their number early, but then Oklahoma State woke up. They even had slowed down Ollie Gordon to start the game. But what we've seen out of Ollie Gordon is you can only hold him for so long. Gordon finished the game with over 10 yards of carry. He had uh, 25 rushes for 277 yards or 271 yards and two touchdowns, including a, a long one. And uh, 10.8 yards of carry. Alan Bowman was 17 to 34 for 286 yards. He had two touchdowns and he had an interception. So Oklahoma State's offense has gotten better and better each week. And you could honestly say that OU, Oklahoma, has gotten worse each week. Uh, their their season has kind of been a little uh, all over the place when you look at uh, what they've done each week looking at their schedule. They opened up the season with a huge 73-0 win against Arkansas State. A little bit closer, lower scoring, at least for OU standards, 28-11 against SMU. They rebound nicely, 66-17 against TU. Then they kind of struggled a bit against Cincinnati, beating them just 20-6. Big rebound, beating Iowa State 50-20. Then they go and beat Texas 34-30. They struggled a bit with a bit with UCF 31-29, and that kind of opened some eyes to people. They're like, okay, maybe this OU team's a little bit more vulnerable. And then KU got them, beating them 38 to 33. So OU's still scoring outside of the Cincy game uh, and the SMU game. They've scored 30 or almost 30 or more uh, in in their games since then. But they are starting to be a little bit more susceptible, especially defensively, giving up 30 in each of the last three weeks, despite two of those being wins. So looking at this Oklahoma State team, they certainly are trending in the right direction, where OU has kind of had a few bumps in the road. You know, that's three straight one-possession games. A win against Texas, a win against UCF, and then a loss against Kansas. So can Oklahoma State at home in Stillwater take advantage of this OU team that hasn't looked the best the last few weeks, the last two weeks specifically, and is coming off a loss, or is that going to make them upset, going to make them hungry, and going to make them want to jump out all over this Oklahoma State team and try to come away with this victory? When you look at uh, some of the keys to this game, I think a lot of it rides for OU on Dylan Gabriel. So in OU's 38-33 loss to Kansas last weekend, it felt as if the game was taken out of Dylan Gabriel's hands. Gabriel completed 14 of only 19 attempts for 171 yards and one costly interception. That was the pick six opened up the game. Despite the minimal impact through the air, Gabriel rushed for three touchdowns, 64 yards, and managed to put Oklahoma in position to win the game, but the defense gave up the touchdown towards the end of the game. So that was that was kind of... Gabriel's been very uh, accurate throwing the football, but 
just struggled a bit. OU's defense struggled, and that led to the loss. So heading into Bedlam, uh, Gabriel is the most important player on the Sooners roster. I've talked a lot about, about Oklahoma State's offense matching up against OU's defense. What I haven't talked about is how will Oklahoma State's defense match up against OU's offense. And when you look at Oklahoma State's defense, again, I talked about ups and downs. They have had some ups and downs this season. Uh, they only give up 13 and 15 the first two weeks of the season, but get, then give up 33 against South Alabama, 34 against Iowa State. They rebounded a bit against K-State, only giving up 21. They gave up 32 against KU, 34 against West Virginia, and then had their best game since the Central Arkansas game, only giving up 13 to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, while they might have been the best defense they'd faced all year, they're probably the second uh, or third worst offense that they have faced all year. OU is very good offensively. The Sooners average almost 42 points a game. They average almost... 350 yards per game. When you look at this team, Dylan Gabriel in his eight games is 180 for 252. I mentioned the 71% completion percentage. He's only thrown four interceptions this season. And when you look at the rushing, Gabriel also very good at running the football. He has 354 yards on the ground and eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, you've got uh, Walker, the running back, who has 385 yards and five touchdowns. You've got the other running back, uh, Major, who has 308 yards. So OU very good offensively. Oklahoma State is very susceptible to the pass. That has been one of their weaker points uh, this season. They uh, have allowed a Big 12 high 17 passing touchdowns so far this season, and OU is the top passing team in the league. Now, KU handled it fairly well, but it was not a great game weather-wise, and that certainly plays into effect in a game like this. So with the weather not going to be a factor in this matchup, will the Cowboys be exposed defensively? And it's going to be up to guys like Nicholas Martin and... Kendall Daniels to step up and those corners to have a good game against OU's passing attack to kind of control this game and keep it in reach for the offense. But what Oklahoma State is going to want to do to run the football, and OU thinks maybe they can stuff the box and force Alan Bowman to beat them. And I think Alan Bowman is certainly good enough to win this game if he needs to for OU. I don't think you can just stack the box. You're not going to control Ollie Gordon all day. You're giving up 100 yards. I'd almost guarantee it. But can Alan Bowman do enough to beat OU? And I think he can. I certainly think Alan Bowman can do enough to beat OU. I think he's talented enough, experienced enough, and he's shown enough to me, especially over the course of this winning streak that Oklahoma State has seen, this four-game winning streak that Oklahoma State is currently on that he, he can do enough to beat this this OU team. So what is going to happen? Is Oklahoma State going to beat OU in the final Bedlam game ever played? Can Ollie Gordon attack this OU team? They were susceptible to the run last week. Can Gordon, who is much more talented than anyone KU has, maybe one of the most talented backs in the nation, can he do enough and can Oklahoma State lean on him enough to win this game? Can Alan Bowman, when Oklahoma does get stops against Gordon, can he do enough to pick up the wins? What can Oklahoma State's defense do enough 
to stop this Oklahoma offense. So, all right, my prediction. First, before I get to my prediction, I want to give you Brian Clinton's prediction on the Heartland College Sports website. Again, these previews, always good to go and read. I take a lot of my stuff from there just because they do such a good job. Brian's prediction, I'll keep this in mind for Pokes fans out there. Brian is an OU fan. He predicted the game 34-27 OU. I think this is too low scoring. I'm going to say 45-41 to Oklahoma State. I think the Cowboys can do it. I think Ollie Gordon rushes for 200 again. I think that Oklahoma State shocks OU. They're playing much better. They're in the driver's seat to play for the Big 12 championship. I think they stay right on a roll. They win this game, and they beat OU 45-41 to in a high-scoring battle. Ollie Gordon vaults himself even higher into Heisman hopefulness, and Oklahoma State comes away with the victory in the last ever Bedlam played, hopefully ever for the rest of my life. I never have to think about Bedlam again. Win or lose, I'll, I never want to think about Bedlam again. We win, we move on with it. We go, we won the last one. We lose, and I forget about it. They go off to the SEC. They have they can have their fun over there trying to compete every year with Georgia and Bama and all those other SEC teams and and maybe they'll be good maybe they won't I don't know but I never want to think about Bedlam ever again after this weekend it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned after this weekend it, they're just another team once they leave the Big 12 and we can figure it out from there. I like what I've seen out of Oklahoma State in the last four weeks. They've 100% turned this team around. They had me very concerned at the beginning of the year. They have convinced me that they are a good team. They figured it out by giving Ollie Gordon the football. My biggest worry is that Mike Gundy so often gets way too conservative against OU. It's like he forgets how to coach when OU is on that other side. And I'm worried that that's what they'll do this year. He has to remember, Ollie Gordon is great. Feed him the football. Casey Dunn, feed Ollie Gordon the football. I've been saying it all season. That doesn't change against OU. It doesn't matter if they stop him for a quarter. Even Cincinnati stopped him for a quarter. Keep feeding him the football, and eventually he's going to break free. Ollie Gordon's too talented. So, um... As I wrap up this podcast, I did want to kind of end it with something a little different than what I would normally do. I want to talk about my five favorite Bedlam moments. Now, not all of these are going to come from wins, and some of them will probably be in different order than other people based upon uh, the impact to me, what I remember, how old I was, and all of that. I obviously remember the back-to-back wins in the Les Miles years, but they don't have as much of an impact on me because I was fairly young when those happened. Um, But number five for me is the Broderick Brown tipped interception. Brown, who was falling out of bounds, tips the Landry Jones pass back into bounds, and it's picked off by Sean Lewis. This was one of the most athletic things I had ever seen. One of the coolest plays I had ever seen. This made national headlines everywhere as one of the cooler plays. Unfortunately, Oklahoma State lost that game, but Oklahoma State pulls off a sick play that uh, I will I will never forget as uh, one of the, the best plays uh, of the Bedlam of the Bedlam rivalry. 
Number four on this list. Now, this one was tough for me. I wanted to put it higher, but the game wasn't that close. Oklahoma State won really handily. It's it's maybe one of my favorite games, Bedlam-wise, because it wasn't stressful uh, like some of the other Bedlam wins have been, uh, and it just it just felt really nice to, to win that game. Uh, but it, it's the 44-10 victory over OU, the Bedlam weed on uh, Justin Blackman, Joseph Randall years when the Cowboys, 2011, when the Cowboys were so good. Uh, uh, 11 and 1 that year. OU was 14th in the nation at the time. They were 9 and 3. Oklahoma State was coming off the loss and uh, beat beat OU in the final game of the season. Just absolutely just destroyed them. Blackman 10 catches, 95 yards. Randall 19 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Whedon threw for 217 yards. Oklahoma State just really gave it to OU. Turned over Landry Jones three times. The specific play, the specific moment in that game for me is the uh, fumble by Landry Jones. It was an just an iconic picture for me, where he's just getting hit and he just loses the football. So that's number four for me. Number three for me is the victory last year, not last year, two years ago uh, against OU, the 37-33 win for Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders had a great game. Uh, that's the most recent Bedlam win. It might be the last Bedlam win ever. Uh, Spencer Sanders didn't really play that well throwing the football, two interceptions, one touchdown, but he had the rushing touchdown, had 93 yards rushing in that game. They outdueled Caleb Williams, and uh, what what is so great to me about this game is it might have been the game that made Lincoln Riley leave OU and move on to uh, the U- USC. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, fans would maybe chalk it up as uh, – as you know, that was the moment, or he had already made the decision to leave at that point. But this is this is number three for me. Number two for me, and this is a big one in a lot of OU or OSU fans' minds, would be the catch from 2001. Now, I was only uh, nine at the moment, so it wasn't that big uh, in my memory. It doesn't stick with me that well. But uh, with a minute 36 left, true freshman Josh Fields found Rashawn Woods, who leaped over Derek Strait in the corner of the end zone for the game-tying touchdown, lifting the four-touchdown underdog Cowboys to the biggest upset in the history of the rivalry. The touchdown was set up by T.D. Bryant's acrobatic catch down the middle of the field over another Thorpe winner, Roy Williams. So a big one with uh, Josh Fields, Rashawn Woods, obviously two legends for Oklahoma State. Fields, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the school. Woods, one of the best wide receivers. And uh, the first Bedlam win, I think, in my, uh, my childhood memory. And for play number one, well, I'll let Dave Hunziker take that one away for you. So Barnett will punt on fourth and nine. This is a high, wobbly kick. Hill makes the catch at the 10. Left side, Hill to the 20, 25, 30. Hill down the left sideline, 40, and Hill's on the loose. There goes the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. 10, 5, pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State. Tyreek Hill. This is easily my favorite Bedlam moment ever. I, I, It is the one that sticks in my mind. I'll never forget it. The Cowboys go on to win it with the field goal in overtime. Just, I'll, I, I can't get over it. The Tyreek Hill touchdown, the call by Hunziker as a current play-by-play guy. It's one of the best calls. It, it's, it's an inspirational moment for me call-wise to 
that got me into play-by-play and wanting to do this. So I just th- this punt return, I reference it all the time. Uh, Any time in a game when a team has to punt again, I reference this. It's just one of my favorite moments in football and my favorite Big 12 moment, uh, bedlam moment ever. Hands down, I can say without a doubt in my mind, the Tyreek Hill punt return for a touchdown cemented as a great play in the history of Oklahoma State. I'm Matt Jordan. Thanks for listening to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Go Cowboys!